Gamecocks Now. It's the ultimate USC sports newsletter. Get inside access to all Carolina sports year-round. Written by Post and Courier reporter David Kloniger, Gamecocks Now includes insights and experience from his over 20 years on the beat. You won't find this from anyone else. Plus, subscribers get access to all Carolina and Clemson sports stories on the Post and Courier's website. Start your two-week free trial today at postandcourier.com slash Gamecocks Now. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines, the Post and Courier's Clemson and South Carolina football season preview. I'm Gene Sapikoff. I have been with the Post and Courier as college sports editor and a columnist or a beat writer since 1986. To uh, put some perspective there, Clemson and South Carolina at Death Valley in 1986 finished in a 21-21 tie. So it's been all even for me ever since. But now... Enough about me. The stars of the show, David Kloniger and John Blau, the Post and Courier's excellent beat reporters. David, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I'm David Kloniger from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Cover South Carolina athletics. Been doing it off and on for 26 years. So uh, looking forward to another football season. Hi, yeah, this is uh, John Blau. I'm the Clemson reporter. And Gene, if you started in 1986, I was one year old and uh, – Southern New Jersey. Uh, grew up on Rocky movies and uh, hoagies, not subs. And uh, yeah, I came here from Bloomington, Indiana about a year ago. So I have a year on the beat. Well, that's great, guys. On this show, folks, uh, we do not uh, beat around the bush. We're going to start with the dramatic conclusion right at the start. So David, let's talk season records. What do you project for the Gamecocks in 2022, coming off a seven and six season and a Duke's Mayo Bowl route of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, I'll say that I expect South Carolina to be much improved because they have much more talent. However, talent, more talent doesn't necessarily mean more wins. Um, I think maybe if they improve to a seven and five regular season, that would be considered improvement. And I think, you know, crazy things happen in bowls. So I would think I'm starting with seven and five as a benchmark. It may be eight and five after the bowl game. It may be seven and six like they were last year. But I think they get one more win in the regular season than they did last year because, again, with the more talent, and they do have a lot more talent, it's still a very, very tough schedule. John, how about for the Tigers coming off of a – 10 and three season that most people would consider disappointing inside and outside the Clemson family. What do you see for 2022 for Dabo Sweeney and company? I think last season was a perfect example of why I hate predictions. Cause you have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. I can tell you I do, but I don't. Um, uh, obviously if they stay healthier than they did last year, I think Vegas has put it at about 10 and a half. I would take the over if I was a betting person, just because, uh, again, half the injuries, you have more experience, especially on the offensive line and the skill players on offense. Um, and then defensively, I mean, it's just one of the better defenses in college football. There's no doubt about it, especially what they got coming back on the defensive line. Um, you win battles in the trenches and uh, they should be better offensively in that department and they should be great defensively in that department. So your record prediction there, Blau? Oh, let me say uh, 11. I'll go 11. I, I said over, but I'll, I'll say 11. There's one loss in there somewhere. I don't, I don't know where it is, but we'll see. Maybe Notre Dame. All right. That's pretty good. Um, 
quarterbacks is always kind of like the default conversation piece at this time of year. But for these particular programs, I mean, there is a lot going on there. Let's start in Columbia. Tell us, you know, you've been around the practices all spring, Spencer Rattler. What, you know, what's his improvement track been like since he got to Columbia as pretty much to me, the prize transfer portal guy in all of college football? Who? Who are you talking about? Spencer who? Yeah. Uh, that kid from <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Spencer Rattler upgrades this position significantly. Um, nothing against the four guys who started at quarterback last year, but this is a guy who comes in, he gets the ball day one as your starting quarterback, as your team leader. And from all reports, you know, he has uh, lived up to that ever since he enrolled. Uh, from the limited time we've gotten to watch him in practice, uh, you can see it's out there, the command, the leadership, just the the know-how of, hey, I'm going to be able to do this. And from a purely technical standpoint, I don't know if this would fit into an actual NFL uh, scouting report, but kid can spin it. Uh, he can absolutely spin it. So that's uh, that's going to be something very exciting to watch. Um, you know, but it's a case of he's got a lot around him. He's got a lot of talent to uh, really push South Carolina forward, but it's got to be held up in front of him with the offensive line. Uh, it's why I wrote about that, uh, you know, recently and saying it goes nowhere if the, the line doesn't do its job. But right now, Spencer Rattler is, uh, is the story in South Carolina, and that should stay intact through next week. John, it's always a two-part question at Clemson, or at least since January 1st, pretty much looking into this season. So first of all, what's your observation with, how DJ Uyunglele has improved, um, you know, mentally, physically, in every way. And then, what about Cade Klubnik, and how has he come along as an early enrollee and really one of the top young quarterback prospects, at least in college football? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the big talk this offseason has been about DJ Uyunglele's weight loss. I mean, he went from being a 260, 265 pound quarterback to 235. Um, it's noticeable difference. I mean, just even looking at his face, I mean, he looks, looks a little bit like a different person, but um, it was interesting hearing Davis Allen, the tight end, talk about him the other day. And he said, everybody talks about his weight and all that quote unquote crap. Uh, like it's not that important. I mean, the big thing for them is just how much he's grown as a leader uh, in terms of he's someone that, that leads by example and with his voice now in terms of being one of the hardest workers in the building, um, whether the mechanical um, issues that he worked on all offseason are addressed, whether he's able to make the right reads in the RPO game and make some plays with his legs and the accuracy is better. I mean, all that, those things remain to be seen. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, with Kate Klubnik, I mean, he's a he's a part of the conversation. That's another five star quarterback. I didn't lose a game in high school, which sounds reminiscent to everyone. When they hear about that, they think of Trevor Lawrence. Um, and obviously, if things don't go well, it could be a very similar situation to going back. Uh, to the Kelly Bryant era uh, transitioning to Trevor Lawrence. So um, don't know what will happen, but the early season will give us a lot of indications, obviously Georgia Tech, and then there's some non-conference games there with uh, Furman and Louisiana Tech where Cake Klubnick's probably going to get plenty of snaps. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how that plays out. I'm Gene Sapikoff, college sports editor for the Charleston Post and Courier, and I'm with David Kloniger and John Blau. Beat writers, I'd like to remind everyone that this uh, thing is being recorded. So if you'd like to view it later, that's cool. And also, if you use the Q&A button on your screen, you can submit questions to us live. 
in this beyond the headlines award-winning post and courier Clemson and South Carolina football preview. Also, I'd like to tell you guys about just the coolest two newsletters that I can think of uh, in college football going on right now. John Blau has one and you can subscribe at postandcourier.com slash subscribe slash the underscore tiger underscore take. And for David Cloninger's inside the George Rogers Boulevard, everything you want to know about South Carolina, Gamecock sports, not just football, but everything, postandcourier.com slash subscribe slash Gamecocks now. And David and John, um, let's talk a little bit about coaching changes or coaching changes that were not made. And David, I'm going to go to you first and just ask you, midway last year to now, if I, if I could transport you from, say, oh, I don't know, Knoxville, Tennessee to now, <laughs> are you surprised? Would you have been surprised that Marcus Satterfield is, is still on the staff? And, and what can you say about, you know, his coming along as a play caller and and how it's gone for him since a pretty darn good end of the season. Right, Gene, and I, I think you just uh, hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, winning cures everything. And the South Carolina won three of its last five games, and it didn't just win it on a last-second field goal or because the other team missed a fourth-down touchdown throw. South Carolina won those games, Auburn, Florida, and North Carolina, pretty convincingly. And a lot of it was because their offensive game plan worked, uh, particularly in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl Every bit of that game plan, which was based on, well, we got to hope this happens. Well, this, it could happen, but we don't know. Every bit of it worked. It was just crazy. You know, I mean, Gene, you were right beside me. And when DeCarian Joyner wound up and threw that first touchdown pass to Jaheim Bell, I just said, huh, I did not expect to see that today. And, you know, had to rewrite my whole story because I figured UNC would would, would uh, get them. But the fact is, is that, Yes, uh, I was a little surprised to see it because after the A&M game, particularly, you know, offense was just awful. I had 15 yards through three quarters, and A&M's a good team, but they weren't a dominant team. So that did not leave a very good taste, but they looked at it and said, listen, uh, that's Shane's guy. He wants him on staff, and you do have to look at some of the, not excuses, but reasons why the offense struggled so much last year. Notably, you started four different quarterbacks. I don't know of many teams that could survive with that and have a winning season, and yet South Carolina did. So uh, they split the difference. Marcus Satterfield did come back, but he was one of only two coaches on staff who did not receive a contract extension. And I think the message is left right there within saying, like, listen, they're not going to fire you, but things need to significantly upgrade. And at least from a talent standpoint, Things have. So you got to go out there and, and play him. You got to see what's going to happen. Uh, they definitely have uh, more guys to count on, particularly at QB going into the opener. But it'll always be that one thing. As soon as one play doesn't work, as soon as USC doesn't score, as soon as they lose, or if Jordan Birch comes out and tries to throw a touchdown pass from a fullback position, it'll be, oh, man, it's, it could, it could get, uh, get ugly in the offseason. John Cloninger's right. I was sitting right next to him in Charlotte at the Duke's Mayo Bowl, a noon kickoff after sitting next to you the night before in Orlando at the Cheez-It Bowl. Thank goodness for 6 a.m. direct flights from Orlando to Charlotte. So, John, um, you know, Wes Goodwin and Brandon Streeter uh, off to a good start. They got a bowl victory. What have you seen from them and in talking to them during fall camp? 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, got a little bit of a taste of them uh, being able to call the bowl game. But it's it's kind of a mystery in terms of how much they will, I guess, digress from what the standard has been or what the scheme has been uh, from Clemson in, in previous years. Obviously, Brandon Strader was the quarterback's coach, has been a coordinator himself at Richmond and Liberty, but came here and has been the quarterback's coach for a long time under Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. And then Wes Goodwin is you know, kind of a disciple, right-hand man of Brent Venables, who none of us heard of, uh, you know, several months ago. And then all of a sudden he's kind of brought out from um, behind the curtain to be the defensive coordinator. So, I mean, in terms of Wes Goodwin, uh, we've heard basically, you know, still going to be, you know, chaos driven, going to be very aggressive in terms of the types of things they employ, but uh, simplifying the playbook to a degree in terms of how they teach it, explain it, hoping that they're uh, simplifying the scheme enough that players can move around quickly, uh, make plays. Uh, Brandon Streeter, his focus seems to be tempo. I mean, he's talked a lot about wanting to move faster. Obviously, last year there was some inexperience at some of the, you know, the key skill positions. Obviously, DJ Uyunglele among them, um, and the offensive line and, and tempo was something they got away from. They want to get back to that, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he leans because they think they have improvements along the offensive line. They have three running backs, Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, and Phil Maffa, who can really pound it if they want to be more of a ground and pound uh, type of offense. But at the same time, you know, uh, traditionally Clemson's like to air it out. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that leans once we get into the season and we'll find out more about these guys. John, we're getting a question in the uh, Q&A from Peter. He would like to know, how's Clemson doing in a little bit, a few suspect areas, uh, special teams and secondary, and and I might add secondary depth? Uh, In terms of the secondary, I mean, that is a, uh, I guess I don't know if it's a mystery, but it's something that there are some younger players that are going to have to step up eventually. Uh, Sheridan Jones, obviously a guy with a ton of experience as a senior who has started games. I mean, that, they feel pretty solid about him as a leader in the room, but um, somebody's got to step up and be across from him. And Nate Wiggins has been the guy that seems to be, everybody's really excited about. I think Dabo Sweeney called him uh, Nate the Great. Um, actually admitted that last year as a true freshman had some issues off the field, just not going to class, not doing the things you have to do off the field to be able to play on Saturdays. And He's kind of cleaned that up apparently and, and has great athleticism. I mean, a six foot two corner who can run with anybody. Um, and they have kind of a hybrid clone of that in Jaden Lucas, who's another freshman. Uh, but obviously he's a freshman. So how is he going to perform on Saturdays for the first time? That That is a question mark. So it's going to be interesting to see with Lucas, with Wiggins, with Toriano Pride, another freshman, how they all uh, progress. Um, as far as special teams, that is honestly probably one of the more concerning things. Obviously kicker. No concerns about that. BT Potter has a ton of experience, uh, but in camp, it was a little bit of an up and down for Aiden Swanson, who's supposed to be the replacement for Will Spires at punter. Uh, supposedly had a rough punting day enough that Dabo Sweeney said it ruined his whole day and he almost didn't want to do punting for, you know, until the end of camp. So he wouldn't have to think about it for a while, but Aiden Swanson bounced back a little bit. Seems to have gotten some consistency and uh, it's between him and then maybe BT Potter being both the kicker and the punter. But I think ideally they want Aiden Swanson to pull that out. So we'll see. Um, obviously, I would say that those are two of the, the greater concerns. I think that you pretty much pointed them out pretty well there. And uh, you gonna have to see how it turns out. David, it's interesting. The special teams for the Gamecocks is, is almost a flip-flop. I think they feel good about Kai Kroger if he's healthy, the punter. 
And, um, you know, a lot of options in the return game, but whereas BT Potter is a solid kicker for Clemson, got to replace Parker White, the former walk-on who leaves the school as the all-time leading scorer. How do you see the battle going there? Well, a place kicker, Gene, it seems to be that Mitch Jeter uh, will probably win that job. He's been a little bit ahead of Alex Herrera uh, in preseason camp and really through last spring. Uh, Jeter is a scholarship kid that they brought in specifically to replace Parker White, ended up getting an extra year out of White because of the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, they gave a scholarship to a kicker out of high school, which is usually not the norm. They usually invite those guys as walk-on. And then, you know, once they have their kicker selected, they go ahead and, and put him on Scully. But Mitch Jeter's been here a couple of years. He's been mostly the kickoff specialist, big, strong leg. Uh, he's a guy that has been very accurate in camp. So I expect him to be the starter. But you mentioned Kai Kroger, Gene. And, uh, you know, Kai, right before camp started, hurt the one part of himself that he couldn't afford to hurt, which was his punting foot. Uh, so he's been out and uh, he has started kicking in camp. Uh, they're optimistic that he will be back for the opener. But in case he isn't, all of the guys have been getting a tryout. So like John said, with BT Potter, could he punt and kick? That could be Mitch Jeter in the opener. And he'd also be doing kickoffs, which if you're going to do it, you can really only do it one game or else those guys are probably going to get worn out pretty quick, but they have a lot of options at the other spots. Uh, Herrera could punt and do kickoffs. He's he did some kickoffs last year. William Joyce, who's a red shirt freshman, a walk on. He's a guy who could end up being the punter. And uh, one thing you also got to look at is Kai Kroger was the team's holder on place kicks as well. And if you go back and look at so many kicks over the past two years, high snap, Kai had to pull them down and they still went through. Do not underestimate the value of a really good holder. And South Carolina might be breaking in one of those, at least for the first game this year. So they need to get Kroger back and they need him back, uh, get him back as quickly as possible. Welcome again, folks, to be on the headlines, the postandcourier.com's award-winning concept program that really takes you into deep dives into some of the cool things that we cover. And a reminder, again, you can sit submit questions in the Q&A function on your Zoom there. We're talking South Carolina and Clemson football in a season preview for 2022. Um, guys, I, I see a really cool ceiling there behind uh, Cloniger. So let's talk about ceilings. <laughs> Spencer Rattler, and, the, and I'm going to ask you, John, about Will Shipley. Spencer Rattler, uh, David, the I believe the single season record for touchdown passes at South Carolina is 29 held by Steve Tannehill in the mid nineties. Um, I believe that it's a quite the rarity for a game quarterback to be selected in the NFL draft, especially a, a seven round draft and all sec Heisman. Those are kinds of things you don't usually associate with a game quarterback. Out of those things I mentioned, um, are some of those possibilities for Spencer Rattler at a high ceiling? Well, some of them are very possible. I mean, it just depends how much they want to put the ball in his hands and have him throw it. Of course, with USC's, uh, you know, being banged up a little bit right now at running back, there might be leaning on him to throw the ball more. Then again, when you have a multi-use talent like Jaheim Bell, I'll go ahead and say it, fellas, especially with the, uh, the status of USC's running backs, I would bet a good sum that Jaheim Bell takes the first carry of South Carolina's football season as a running back because they'll line him up back there and say, you know it's coming, but can you, especially Georgia State, can you stop it? 
you might be geared to stop Marshawn Lloyd, who's, you know, kind of a short squat guy, Juju McDowell, short, fast guy. But can you start or stop 6'4 and 230 of rampaging tight end? Probably not. So that'd be my personal prediction, especially with Christian Beale Smith being banged up and out. Uh, but we will see on what happens for Rattler particularly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the ceiling is really, you know, out of reach for him for what he can do. He's come in, he's prepared for it. They know uh, what he can do and he's got the targets to do it. Of course, you know, passing touchdowns are a chancy thing. What if you hit a guy for a 60 yard bomb and he gets tripped on the one yard line? You know, stuff like that. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, if everything goes well and you get a solid start, I expect that that Heisman talk to really start picking up. But as we all know, fellas, a lot of folks go in with, say, a list of 10 Heisman front runners, and they never come off that list no matter what, unless you just do something extraordinary, like have a, a Steve McNair-like season and kind of get into the nation's consciousness. So we'll see what happens. But uh, they definitely know that Rattler can do all of those things. John, Will Shipley uh, had a heck of a freshman year. He, he played even better toward the end. And now, in theory at least, he's going to have improved quarterback play to help him find some larger holes. It was interesting at SEC media days, Greg McElroy, of all people, he's a former Alabama quarterback at SEC media days, was asked, who's your underdog Heisman Trophy candidate and uh, ruffling a lot of feathers by picking somebody outside the SEC. And he said, Will Shipley. Is Will Shipley potentially an all-ACC guy, um, an ACC Player of the Year candidate, a Heisman guy? What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question just because it's a three-headed monster in that backfield. I mean, you're going to have Kobe Pace, you're going to have to feed and uh, Phil Moffa was the guy they wanted to redshirt. And then they had so many different injuries and things going on that he ended up playing and he's full go as well. Um, so uh, Will Shipley, how many carries, carries is he going to get as opposed to those other two guys? I mean, to, to get the Heisman, to get uh, first team all ACC, all of that. And it's going to be interesting. But in terms of the talent level, I mean, a guy that is special in terms of his ability to see cutback lanes. And um, he admitted um, during this preseason camp that, he, he, things were moving really fast. I mean, when he got out there at first, I mean, the Georgia game, he says he didn't know what the heck he was doing. Um, and then the Pittsburgh game, he had that, you know, infamous drop where they could have been up 14 to nothing on a seam route down the middle. And he said, sometimes the big moments were just a little too big for him. That just, you know, there was a little bit of anxiety, nervousness being that freshman. Uh, but he's obviously settled in. Uh, he's a guy who's got a tremendous work ethic. I mean, nobody's ever questioned that. Uh, definitely got a lot of drive and a lot of ability too. So, I mean, I would expect as a sophomore him to take that jump that a lot of athletes take from freshman to sophomore year, having a year under his belt. The offensive line should be better. And like you said, uh, the quarterback play, they're hoping uh, will be better, whether it's DJ Uyungle or Kate Klubnik. So, uh, yeah, the, the potential is, is there for a really big season for Will Shipley. It's just about how many carries does he get in that mix. Guys, let's talk a little bit about schedules. I hate to oversimplify things and – you know, pit Gamecocks against Tigers, but uh, it, this really fits. David, it's it's kind of been my position here that this team could be really, really improved this season in Shane Beamer's second year. And because of that brutal schedule, namely with a home win over Auburn, be replaced by a road game at Arkansas and having to play the Gators 
of Florida on the road instead of at home, that you're just maybe not going to see that in the record. And John, you know, on the flip side, it's kind of a easy call to say that Clemson working its way through that difficult gauntlet of Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, and maybe Wake Forest without Sam Hartman has some time to work things out and could be 4-0, and and you still really don't know about them. So, David Kloniger, your thoughts on the Gamecocks there? It's going to be tough, Gene. You know, I, I often go into every season and say that, you know, it's, it's really tough to predict things because South Carolina generally has about three nearly guaranteed losses on its schedule every year, those being Clemson, Georgia, and Texas A&M. Now, of course, anything can happen. You know, a, a team that uh, had a four-win season a few years ago went to Georgia, who was ranked third at the time, on the road and won. So you never know what will happen, but those teams, you know, right now their talent level is just so far above South Carolina. You're like, well, it could happen, but you're probably not going to get those. And then your the second game is uh, at Arkansas. Got a game at Kentucky, which is going to be a very good team this year, assuming they get Chris Rodriguez back for most of the season. And then, of course, you've got some games against Tennessee, Missouri, and then you mentioned Florida. I mean, I look at Florida and think that it's always going to be tough because it's on the road, but I don't think the talent level of that team is that good. And South Carolina, that's one I think that they could definitely win. Uh, the game at Arkansas is probably a toss-up, where to me, because they're playing Kentucky in the sixth game of the season, I believe, probably not going to win that one. So it's going to be tough. It always is, especially on the SEC road. But if they can find a way to just get the Tennessee and Missouri games, which are both at home, and then you get that Florida game, it's going to be, okay, well, you've set yourself up for a very nice season and a nice bowl destination. And, of course, there is the case of this too, Gene. If somehow you go to Arkansas and you win, you're 2-0, and assumedly, and then you got Georgia at home high noon on week three. Crazy things can happen in the third game of the season, but we'll, we'll table that until they get back from Arkansas. John, how about the Tigers and how that schedule plays out for what they want, which is to get back in the playoff for the seventh time in eight seasons? Yeah, I mean, like you alluded to, I think that obviously the, the beginning of the schedule does give them kind of a little bit of a runway to get going, uh, figure things out, uh, both on the offensive line and, and um, also with the quarterback uh, in terms of, how he's playing DJ Uyunglele and how Kate Klubnick is operating behind center in the time he gets. Um, but like, like you said, um, Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, I mean, I would think those are wins. If Sam Hartman isn't available uh, for that road trip, uh, you look at that. Um, the, the, the last year, just the, the difference in the lines, I mean, the defensive line versus Wake Forest line, that's uh, a pretty good matchup for them. And then you get to the tricky part of the schedule, which is NC State. Um, at home, obviously, Devin Leary and that team, that's a pretty good team. Obviously, lost in double overtime last last year. You got to get by that one. But then you get a little bit of a run there with, you know, road trips to Boston College and Florida State. Uh, should be able to um, win those games, Syracuse. And then the big ones uh, towards the end then are, are Notre Dame, that road trip. Obviously, Notre Dame is always one of the better teams in the country. Uh, Louisville gave Clemson trouble last year on the road. That could be a little bit of a trap game. Uh, between the Notre Dame and Miami game. So that that portion of the schedule will be difficult. And then obviously you have your rivalry game uh, with South Carolina. So uh, again, I think we at the beginning predicted probably about 11 wins, but you never know. And especially with injuries, I mean, there are a couple games there that, that Clemson definitely is in danger of losing if they're not on their A game. 
Folks, we, we have arrived at the much anticipated lightning round portion of Beyond the Headlines, the Clemson and South Carolina football preview. In 15 seconds, guys, give me one surprise player, somebody who you think is either underrated, completely off the radar, maybe a good player that people know about you think is going to be an absolute star. I, I will start and, and say, for instance, that I think at Clemson, that Jeremiah Trotter, the, the linebacker who's going to start now in, in, for Skalski, I, I think this guy's going to be tremendous, like all-American candidate caliber. And at, at Clemson, I know Jalen Foster leaves big shoes to fill, but David, from what I've read and talked to people about, I think Devonnie Reed's going to be really good. So David, 15 seconds, surprise player. John, after David, 15 seconds, Clemson surprise player. I don't know how much of a surprise it is because we've been hearing his name all camp, but freshman safety, Nick M.N. Worry, local kid from Irmo. He's 6'4". He's got a real long arm, true lengthy frame. He's going to be a guy that plays as one of those backup spots in safety, and he's going to be playing a lot. John? I'll go with um, Rook Aroraro, which is a guy who last year actually emerged a little bit because of injuries to Brian Brzee and Tyler Davis, but hearing really good things about his development. I mean, he's actually putting himself in the mix to be an NFL-type prospect uh, coming into this year. So, obviously, everybody talks about Brzee and, and Davis and all those defensive ends, but I think Ruka Roro could have a big year at defensive tackle. All right. Well, thanks, John and David, and thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks to postandcurrier.com subscribers for your support, and I'd like to encourage the audience to check out our tremendously cool free newsletters, including a college sports newsletter at postandcourier.com slash newsletter dash sign up. And then specifically our premium Clemson and South Carolina content. You just saw how great David Cloninger and John Blau are in breaking down the Gamecocks and the Tigers. So for David's stuff, postandcourier.com subscribe slash Gamecocks now. And for John Blau's Clemson newsletter, postandcourier.com slash subscribe slash the underscore tiger underscore take. Thanks so much for Beyond the Headlines. And if you'd like to watch this again, remember it was recorded and will be available soon.